God bless you. This is Pastor Abraham Lankford, the senior pastor and founder of Jesus' Church International. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of Supernatural Transformation. Jesus' Church is a non-denominational church with an international vision to evangelize, affirm, disciple, and send. We invite you to join us beginning Sunday, October 2nd at 11 a.m. at our new facility, the Dorchester Career and Technology Center, located at 2465 Cambridge Bypass in Cambridge, Maryland, on the campus of CSD High School. We trust that you will be encouraged and supernaturally transformed through hearing today's message. I love you all. I'm so glad to be here with you. When Pastor Abe asked me to speak, it was a Saturday night in June, and we were at Denny's. The next morning, I was saying to God, what am I going to say? Immediately, my mind began to have thoughts flowing to me about a certain subject. So I grabbed a legal pad and sat on my sofa for about an hour and a half and wrote out longhand everything God was saying to me. I could feel his concern over the subject he was speaking to me about. So I bring this to you all hoping that you will give heed to what I'm going to say. This is an exhortation. An exhortation is to encourage, counsel, or advise. We are acting in behalf of God, and it is a privilege to do so. We have been commissioned to bring the gospel to the world, and we have been empowered to do it. Jesus has equipped his church for this battle. He has equipped us with gifts of the Spirit, with wisdom, and with the dunamis of his word, the miracle-working power of his word. We are equipped to bring down the works of the devil and to bring the kingdom of God forward. Satan hates us. And I know I speak for you all. It's mutual. <laughs> okay, the first verse is Psalm 97:10. You that love the Lord hate evil. He preserves the souls of his saints. He delivers them out of the hand of the wicked. Okay, you that love the Lord hate evil. So we know who that refers to. Hmm. He preserves the soul of his saints. He delivers them from the hand of the wicked. The hand of the wicked can never overcome an obedient child of God. The devil is a defeated foe. He can never win against our God. The devil is awaiting his own judgment, his own doom, which is the manifestation of the sons of God. That's the beginning of the end for him, which is our resurrection. He is scared witless. He is fighting as never before. He is fearful. Yes, he is. He is fearful. He is angry and arrogant enough to fight against God and to believe that he might beat him. But all that is going to take for his little plans to fall apart is for Jesus Christ to show up. That's all it will take. The mighty presence of Jesus Christ will utterly throw him into confusion and destruction. The Apostle John knew Jesus very well. When Jesus appeared to John in his glory, John fell in his glorious bright presence on his face before him. And Jesus had only been in heaven for a short time. Jesus has now been there for over 2,000 years. He has been in the glorious presence of the Father, the Almighty God of the universe. 
All things now fall before him, and that includes us. We are going to be on our faces before him in worship. And why would we not do that? There are two descriptions in the Bible about Jesus. There is a description in the Song of Solomon that ends with saying he is altogether lovely. So I looked up the word lovely in my concordance and found it to mean delightful. Everything about Jesus is delightful. His smile is delightful. His eyes so full of righteousness and truth are delightful. His mouth is delightful. Everything he says is delightful. Every part of him is beautiful and delightful. All his works are done in justice and truth. There is no one like Jesus Christ in the entire universe. And that is his description as our beloved. There is also a description in the book of Revelation that is awesome. It is found in Revelation 1, 12 to 16. I turned to see who was speaking to me. I saw seven gold lampstands. And standing in the middle of the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. He was wearing a long robe with a gold sash across his chest. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow. And his eyes were flames of fire. His feet were like polished bronze refined in a furnace. And his voice thundered like mighty ocean waves. He held seven stars in his right hand, and a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth, and his face was like the sun in all its brilliance. That is an awesome description of Jesus. This is Jesus as Alpha and Omega, as the Son of Man, that is the Messiah, the Anointed One. There his hair is white like wool, his eyes like a flame of fire, his voice like the sound of many waters. He is totally awesome, and the brightness of his coming will destroy the devil and his followers. And Jesus is coming very soon. Amen. The Bible says the Lord is a man of war. That's in Exodus 15.3. Jesus Christ is not sitting in, his, in the heavens pulling out his hair, wondering how to counter the devil. Jesus Christ is a man of war. He knows the principles of warfare. Proverbs 21.30 says there is no counsel against the Lord. He has already won the battle. The Bible says in Psalm 2 that God laughs at the wicked. He holds them in derision. That means he mocks them. He is not scared of them. He has already defeated them. We don't need to be afraid of them either. Our God has arranged for us to be carriers of that which brings defeat to the devil. Because the blood of Jesus has cleansed us, justified us, made us his children, we go to war as priests and kings. Now the pastor brought this up a couple weeks ago, and I'm going to bring it up again. You need this to be repeated because the daily life wears away at teaching, and weariness of life causes us to forget. This is Psalm 149, 6 to 9. Okay, let the praises of God be in their mouths and a sharp sword in their hand to execute vengeance on the nations and punishment on the peoples, to bind their kings with shackles and their leaders with iron chains, to execute the judgment written against them. This is the glorious privilege of his faithful ones. Praise the Lord. Amen. Yes, that's ours to do. Okay, 
This is a very victorious scripture. It is God's justice working. Finally, the wicked will get their comeuppance. We are in a battle. We are going to win because Jesus won. Amen. But that doesn't mean we can just float along. We need to be prepared for the battle. We need to be learning his word, studying his word, disciplining our mind and training our bodies to endure for righteousness sake. Let me ask you this. How many verses of scripture do you know by heart? Do you know? How many Psalms do you know? What I'm really saying is how many weapons do you have at hand? When Satan attacks, it is only the word of God in the name of Jesus that defeats him. But you have to know the verse so you can remember it. That is why it is important for you to study the word of God and not just to study intellectually, but study it with your heart open to it. Just like you go to a gym to build up your muscles in your body, you must exert yourself to build up your memory in your soul so that you can have victory over Satan when he tries to test you. Slay him with the word. Here is a pitfall that many believers do not even know about or pay attention to. It is Hosea 4, 6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I also will reject you from being priest for me. That is a very strong word from God. And I want to say, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, and it means knowledge of God. Because you have rejected the knowledge of me, God says, I will reject you from being a priest for me. Now there is a, if you hear the word of God and you turn away from it, you let it go over your head and do not pay attention to it when you know it refers to something you should be doing. There is a curse that comes against you. And that curse will bring hardness of heart to you. That's why you get hardness of heart. It, because you're not listening to what God is saying. You have a choice with everything that you do. You live life every day and you are constantly making choices whether you realize or acknowledge it or not. How you really treat God's word in everything defines what your relationship with God really is. Let me ask you a question. What were these people doing that got them in so much trouble with God? The answer is they did not love or even pay attention to God's word. They did not read it, they did not study it, they did not meditate on it, they did not remember it at all. They just floated along. They said in effect, God and Israel have a covenant and it's up to God to bless us. I'll do what I feel like doing. That can't be wrong, can it? After all, I worship God on the Sabbath. And there are people today who say, I give God my hour in church, isn't that enough? That is not enough, that is not enough. That is so wrong, I just can't let that go. God had repeatedly told Israel to meditate and study the word of God. Now here are two references out of the many. One is Psalm 1, verse 2 and 3. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. Well now, if you study the word of God, there are certain things you can expect. He shall, you'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. 
Your fruit will come in its season. Your leaf will not wither. And whatever you do shall prosper. Now that is a good deal. The, the other verse is Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Notice he said from your mouth, not from your head, not from anything else but your mouth. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Now why does it say meditate day and night? I've often wondered, but then I realized and learned through my own experience that what it means is when you wake up at night, you can think about God. It's not against the law. You can think about God. You can say, thank you, Father, for your blessings today. Thank you, Father, for all you've done. I can see, I can hear, I can walk, I can talk. Thank you, Father, for the friends you put in my life. Let your life be filled with thanksgiving. Let your life be filled with praise to God. Okay, now the book of Proverbs has a lot of this kind of talk in it. It says, hear the instruction, receive my words, seek for it as hid treasure. If you read the first eight chapters, that is constantly repeated. Hear my word and obey my instructions. God is not saying that because he stutters. He is saying that because he wants to get the point across that you must listen to what he's saying to be successful. A question I might ask is how much of the protocol of heaven have you discerned from his word? How many principles of God, how he moved in action against Satan and his twisted plans to destroy Israel, do you know? I speak to myself as well as to you we must recognize the purpose of these things. They are for teaching us how God works. We must be in the word. Learning how God moves is learned by knowing how he moved for Israel against her enemies. What did Joshua do? What did David do? What did Daniel do? And more important, why did they do it? Learning heavenly principles, heavenly wisdom, which is eternal wisdom, and learning scripture is something that you learn not only for living on earth, but for eternity. God's wisdom does not change. What we learn now, we are learning for eternity. 10,000 years from now, we will be using God's word for e in eternity to guide us. These principles will always work. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not by no means pass away. Matthew 24, 35. We are destined for greater things than we can imagine. The hope that is held out for us is that we will bear Jesus' likeness, live in his royal city, have the benefits of the Son of God, and we don't even know all that that includes. The Bible says, God raises the poor out of the dust and lifts the needy out of the ash heap that he may seat him with the princes of his people. Psalm 113, seven and eight. The New Testament says we have been seated in the heavenly places in Christ. That's Ephesians 2.6. If you read extra-biblical writings, that's extra-biblical writings. Some people don't approve of them, but I read them anyway because I have enough sense to know the difference. 
you know that there is a whole hierarchy of princes in charge of various things and that Jesus Christ is the head of them all. His name is above every name and we are seated with him in heavenly places. God has called us to be his children, his army, his bride, his body. We are unique in the universe. Now is the time to learn the things that will profit us eternally. Let's not waste time. Paul rebuked the believers who had let things that they had been taught slip. Let's read Hebrews 5, 12 to 14. You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and does not know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. It is through doing the word of God, doing it, that I sharpen my senses to discern good and evil. God wants me to understand his will. How do I do that? By knowing his word, reading his word, studying his word. That means I have to exert myself to seek God, to read his word, to allow his word to work in me. Put God, the word of God, in you. Put truth in you. Let it displace all the lies of the devil, all the falsities of our human nature that have accumulated in your heart. And it's in everyone's heart. We have to allow the uncomfortable process of becoming pure in our daily lives to go forward. Don't be discouraged. If you feel uncomfortable, bored, restless when you read the Bible, there could be one of several things going on. If you find it boring, you could be dealing with unbelief. Unbelief is being discomfited in your soul. The word of God is stirring up what's in there and unbelief is in there and it's making you uncomfortable. Cast it out by affirming the truth. Don't run away from it, battle it. It has been uncovered so that it could be destroyed. How do I destroy unbelief? By affirming God's word. I believe you God, even if I don't understand it, I still believe you because you are not a liar. If you are finding that reading the scripture is painful, it could be you are dealing with lies that do not want to be uncovered, so rebuke it. Deal with it. Don't just say, it's uncomfortable to read the Bible, so I won't. Don't put the Bible on the shelf. The word of truth has revealed an inner enemy so that the light of the word can destroy that which would certainly destroy you if given the chance. The devil is the father of lies. Cast his deceitful work out of your life. Your faith will increase and your spiritual insight will increase. Walk in the truth. Let the truth prevail. It has the power to remove all the garbage the devil has dumped on you. This struggle makes you purer. This struggle makes you stronger. Overcome in Jesus' name. Let the unbelief be shook loose. Say, Lord Jesus, I surrender to the truth of your word, even if I do not entirely understand what is happening. Your confession of faith will carry you to God's victory as long as you stand in it. Allow him to purify you. Allowing the word to work in you is how he purifies the church. It is by the washing of the water of the word. 
Ephesians 5, 26. Jesus said in John 17, 17, sanctify them by your truth. Your, your word is truth. So truth sanctifies. If you want to live a holy life, you will have to let the word sanctify you. God is moving in our church. God is moving in our community. And he is about to have a great battle with the devil. The city of Cambridge is at stake. The USA is at stake. But God will only use willing and obedient children. Because we are children, do not make the mistake of thinking we are weak and defenseless. We have mighty weapons of God for the pulling down of strongholds. We are strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I want to present a picture to you. Think of an army camp. When the trumpet sounds, every soldier is supposed to know where he's to be and what he is to do. They line up in straight lines, they stand at attention, they are disciplined. They do not line up any old way or stand slumped and defeated if they know what's good for them. No, they are in formation and they are ready for battle. How well and how quickly an army can do this shows how well they have been trained. It determines how the battle will go. A famous sports figure once said that whoever wanted to win the game the most is the one that would win. And Jesus said something of the same when he said, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If you come to the battle defeated in your thinking, not knowing your purpose or position, you will not do well. The enemy will overtake you. Let the fire of God's word burn the dross from you and light your intentions. Let the word of God come out your mouth and destroy the devil. The army of Jesus Christ is being called to attention. Where are you? In the U.S. Army, you are trained to be a soldier. They do not teach you everything in one day. They teach you in units, each unit building on the next, until a complete soldier having knowledge of battle tactics and weaponry. Um, you know what to do when attacked. It's the same in this battle. You need to know tactics. You need to know the weapons at hand, scriptures, Praise, prayer, fasting. You have spiritual muscles that must be built up. Don't be discouraged because of a few muscle aches. The battle is too important. We are nearly at the end of the age. You must be aware of your enemy, Satan. We know his purpose, to steal, to kill, to destroy. We know his tactic, divide and conquer. First Timothy 6.12 says, Fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life. We must fight the fight and not give over to the terrible consequences of Satan ruling anything. We need to take the truth of Nehemiah 4.14 which says, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. We are fighting for our families. We are fighting for our lives. Don't try to sharpen your sword in the middle of battle. Don't try to study tactics when the battle is fierce. You might not have access to a Bible. You need to store the information in your heart. That's what I'm telling you tonight. Jesus was very clear on this. This is something that we need to be doing now. Put the word of God in your hearts now. Don't take your eyes off the goal, the victory that is coming. You've been trained by the word of God and your experiences to know battle tactics. This is a real battle. It is a real battle, not, uh, as in a real battle, not everyone is on the front lines. There are intelligence officers, which are the prophets. There are the healing ministries, which are 
which tend the wounded. There are the cooks, which feed the army, which are the pastors and the backup ministries. There are the shock troops, which are the deliverance ministry. All are important. God has a teamwork. We must each one know the place of his specialty, his gift. Each one must know how to fight hand-to-hand -hand combat, which is why I'm telling you, put the scriptures in your heart. Do you know where you belong? Let the truth of God prevail in your life. Learn as much as you can about the principles that God has set in place. Let the truth sanctify you and make you strong. Don't be discouraged. You are not defeated. His word is truth and his word has victory in it. The word and the truth is in you. We can cast out unbelief and doubt when it shows itself. We can overcome doubt, unforgiveness, and slothfulness as soon as we are aware of it. How? By repentance, by affirmation, by doing his word. It is the doing that defeats these things, not thinking about them. There are, these, are, these are the keys to tactics. Repent, affirm, believe, receive, and conquer. Let me tell you about a time in my life that was very dark. I was in very serious and a very harmful situation. There was no way out that I could see. I was extremely depressed and very afraid. It was a life-threatening situation. The one slip and there was a good possibility that I would not make it out alive. There was someone though who knew the way out and his name was Jesus Christ his name was above every name and his word is above all. So I called on God to lead me out by his word. The question was, what did the word say? I needed to confess the truth of his word to change the circumstances and defeat the devil. I began to confess Psalm 68:20, Our God is a God of deliverances. To God the Lord belong escapes from death. I began to confess Psalm 118, 17. I shall not die but live and declare the works of God. I added to that Psalm 107:14. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and break their bands in sunder. I kept applying the word to my life. It was uncomfortable, but I kept confessing. When I would start to think about how bleak everything looked, I would start to confess God's word. And the situation began to change. I kept confessing and did not allow myself to backtrack or look at the circumstances. I kept confessing it. It was dark and it was uncomfortable and not a little bit scary, but I confessed the word and then changed some more. I kept confessing and slowly it kept changing. Gradually I began to change my confession to thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. God released me from those circumstances, but I wouldn't have made it unless I had known the word where and how to find the verses. I would not have made it unless I had known how to use principles of faith and kept confessing when it was dark. Don't wait until you are in a situation that is serious to find out how much you really know about God and his word. Store up his word. Honor your heavenly father by obeying what he is telling you. You might have to stand through some dark and uncomfortable circumstances, but if you confess in faith and stand in his word, things will change. Don't float. Don't be undisciplined. Don't drift as though you hadn't a thing to be concerned about and be overtaken by surprise. The world is at war. Know your place. Know his word. Be victorious over whatever the devil is trying to do to you. Victory is standing in the word. 
Jeremiah 23, 29 says, it's not my word like a fire, like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. It is time for you to respond to God about this subject. It is time for you to rid yourself of the laziness, the doubt, the unbelief that has hardened your heart. It is time to let the fire of repentance burn in you brightly so you can shine completely with the love of God and the grace of God. I would like to ask everyone to bow their head right now and I want you to consider what you need to do. Just now, how much do you really love God? Do you really want him to work through you? You must be a clean vessel. You must be a beloved and obedient child to, and come to your Father in heaven and apologize and repent and turn your thinking around to be what he wants you to be. Just now, take that step. Just now, say to God the Father, I am sorry for my laziness or my doubting you or my unbelief or whatever it is that puts you in a wrong place. I ask you to allow the fire of your spirit to burn out all the draws that I don't need and that drags me down and away from you. Let the fire of his word break the hardness of your heart that doubt and unbelief creates and burn up all the lukewarmness that slothfulness brings with it. Burn it up. Perhaps you're listening to today's broadcast and you say, Pastor Abraham, my life is so broken. I don't even want to live anymore. Maybe you have an addiction in your life and you've been trying to be free for years of your life. Dear friend, I want you to know something. This is not a coincidence. This is an appointment with God today. God desires to have a relationship with you. He wants to make you his son or his daughter. If that's the desire of your heart, I want you to pray with me from your heart right now. I want you to say, Heavenly Father, right now, I desire to have a relationship with you. I believe that you love me and that Jesus died for me on the cross. Right now, I accept your gift of righteousness. I know because of the blood of Jesus that I am made righteous and whole in your sight. I thank you, Jesus. From this moment on, I am a child of God. Dear friend, if you prayed that prayer, the Bible says this, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ. That means there's no more condemnation to you because now you are in Christ. You are a child of God. If you would like to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and you prayed that prayer, I want you to contact me on this number right now, 443-480-4083. Call us. We want to help you grow in your new life in Jesus Christ. If you would like to learn more about the ministries at Jesus Church Cambridge or wish to hear more messages like this one, please go to www.jesuschurchcambridge.com.